Hey guys, I'm Esther, owner of Sarah Design. And I'm Jen, owner of Hello June Creative. Welcome to Better, the brand designer podcast. We're all about broadcasting conversations that support our design community and covering industry secrets and offering actionable advice. Just remember, the only designer you need to be better than is the one you were yesterday. Hey guys, welcome back to Better the Brand Designer podcast. Me and Esther are together again. I think we've been had a couple episodes where it's been a solo episode or a guest episode. And we always look forward to just like just Jenna Essie episodes. <laughs> yes. It's nice to just get to chat with you. I know we chat on FaceTime or on the phone or on Voxer or text, like all our Literally million different every ways. single way. <laughs> it's like, hi, hi, pay attention to me. Like I'm here. <laughs> but it's so different when we get to record an episode together. So I'm happy to be here with you. Finally. Yay. Yay. Well, our intro question today is a super fun one. If you were to design a custom font, what would it look like? I was thinking about this before we got on, and I feel like I could go in two different ways. But my gut reaction is I want I would want a custom font that is like super edgy, sharp, clean lines. And also like the serifs are just really like crisp, like literally knives. Like I feel like it would be so <laughs> <Go> strong <up. laughs> and so bold and like I don't know what kind of business or brand this would work for, but I'm like, just, I want something edgy. Like, I feel like I have a hard time finding edgy things. I feel like you as a designer handle like so many different types of designs so well, but you can also tell like that it has the serif touch. I feel like that's, that's not something that I feel like every designer can do. I don't feel like I can do that. Like I have such a specific style and I just work in that same style. And that's what I'm known for. That's what my clients want. So I never really kind of like break out of that. But like, I don't know. I just, when I look at your portfolio and stuff, I see like, okay, wow, that like is actually perfect for that brand. But like you can tell that Esther made it. I don't know I how that. though. I love that. Yeah. I feel like I do. I don't have a specific style. I used to think that I was going to like niche into this like illustrative like line drawing type things. And while I like that, I I feel like there's so many different ways businesses need design and no business can be the same. So I love getting to play with all of the different styles. And I love that you can tell that there's a little Sarah's design touch to it. I don't know if I can, but I don't know what it is. I feel like Maybe it's just your really, really strong typography skills mixed with your illustration skills. Because mm. I feel like with a lot of designers, I do it's use either one or the other. Like you either are really, really good at typography or like you're really, really good at illustration. Right. But like I feel like you have a good handle on both of them. That's fair because I do like to use both in all of my projects. Yeah. I was just looking back through your Instagram the other day because like I spend too much time on Instagram and I saw this one post that you that you made where it was like two faces. It's kind of from a oh, while you ago. you went way back. I don't, I'm, I'm a creep. <laughs> I went back because I was like, I just love looking at like your your work. And I don't know. I feel like, I feel like even though our styles are different, I feel like I still do get like inspiration from you. Definitely not copying you, I promise. But like, I was no, just like, yeah, our, back our and, styles are different. And I also, I look up to you too. Oh, okay. Love this moment. We're okay, carrying the tradition the, on. The picture or the drawing with the two faces is one of my yeah. favorite ones. Like I love... I'm obsessed with that. 
Guys, go back and look at Esther's Instagram. Stalk, me. <laughs> <laughs> Stalk the heck out of her because there's these like two faces. It looks like just this beautiful like line art. Like I could I could see that like blown up really big on someone's wall in some like luxury home or something. Yeah, like, I actually just... printed out that one and gave it to my mom. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I like it's so funny. I used to do like a lot of like drawing and painting and stuff when I was in elementary school. So like way, way back in the day. Um, and all the other kids would be like, wow, did you freehand that? <laughs> That's what literally everyone has said. So I'm going to ask you the same thing. Like, like, did you just draw that out of your mind? Because like, I feel like that is, I need to like look at something. I yeah, feel like I to did. illustrate it. With the line drawings, especially with the faces, I've, I try to sometimes like close my eyes and do it. Because I feel like you kind of get an idea and then I'll like tweak things from there. Yeah. Okay. But how about you? What's your custom font? Yeah. So this is such a hard question because it's like, okay, well, what context? But there's purposefully no context. So I think that like I would design a custom font that just had really beautiful ligatures and lots of different options for like, almost like it looks like a custom type manipulation that like I do in almost every single one of my projects, but like maybe there's four different A's and like five different R treatments where the foot like swoops or it's like I can so see this or something like I just I create brands like that all the time where I want to make the the typeface look so custom and so unique. And I have actually used ligatures in brands that were built into the typeface. And of course, I'm always very transparent with my client. Hey, this actually came with a font or whatever. Like I didn't, you know, come up, conceptualize that. I I always will walk through like, this is custom, this is custom, this is part of the font or whatever, just so that yeah. they're like aware. But like, I feel like it would be a serif font. It would be probably pretty high contrast, but not so editorial that it looks like it belongs in a newspaper. So like there's a little bit of an editorial vibe where Mm -hmm. maybe the serifs are a little bit stronger, but I still would want to have like a curve, like a sense of curve. So not knife edge serifs like you were talking about. Although I do love fonts that have very strong pointy serifs because it's a vibe for sure. Um, Yeah, I've I've actually been thinking about like, oh, I want to get a new primary font for like my business. And my logo has always been... Oh, that would be so fun. I don't even know anything about that. I've actually... So guys, we're going to have a planning meeting for season seven after we record this podcast. And I have this guest in mind that I will not share right now, but she's a type designer and I like want to interview her so that we can Mm. learn. So I can just selfishly learn about type design. Yes. I like in college, I tried to make my own font. Like, and I was going to name it Esther. It was so lame. (laughs) And I tried to like look into all of that and I felt like it was too complicated for me. I did end up making a font. I don't have it anymore. It was just like my handwriting. It wasn't anything like crazy, but I wasn't able to figure out how to get all the kerning between the letters to be right. Ooh, that's tough. Especially if it's more like handwritten. Yeah. And organic than everything has the same. What are they called? X width? Yes. I think. X height? Wow, probably I probably am saying that wrong. sound really dumb right now, but it's fine. <laughs> I know. It's fine. <laughs> so that's my custom font. Um, we are curious what you guys would design for your custom fonts. Drop a comment in this week's um, Facebook post. We make a little post in our Facebook group every week about 
the episode. And so, yeah, would love to hear y'all's feedback. You can also go on our Instagram at Better Podcast and give us your description of your custom font. Yes, please do. When I was transitioning from my full-time agency job to running my own studio, I knew that I really needed help. I wanted my business to succeed financially, but I wasn't sure how to even start. I didn't know how to price or structure my offerings, navigate sales calls, and I definitely did not know how profitability and peacefulness could coincide. I signed up for Design Biz Mastery, a group mastermind led by Morgan Rapp, at the very start of starting my business, and it set the tone for me from the start. I learned how to price by value and how to be confident on sales calls. Her coaching, which is backed by 10 years of experience running her own studio, made me feel that anything was possible and that I could structure my business the way that I really wanted to. Design Biz Mastery is built for designers ready to cut the noise and start to scale to six figures and beyond. The key? Powerfully productizing, pricing, and positioning their services using a blend of intensive style offers to create a consistent client pipeline boost revenue with profitable cash injecting offers and cultivating sustainable personal confidence and the peace that they crave. Building a wildly profitable and sustainable design business that supports your lifestyle doesn't have to be a pipe dream. Visit dbm.morganwrap.com backslash better. Wrap is spelled R-A-P-P. To learn more about Design Biz Mastery and also receive access to a free private training about the three-part framework to peacefully scale your design business towards six figures on part-time hours. Okay, so burnout. I love the episode Ugh. title of this. I know, a sigh. Everyone take a collective deep breath in and a big groan for burnout. Um, I love the title that you wrote for this one, Esther. Um, oh, burnout, baby, burnout. Because <laughs> I feel like it's something that like you're either aware of and haven't experienced yet. You've experienced it before in the past. You're in it, but you don't know it. Or you've been through multiple seasons of burnout and it's just a reality for you. So uh, I feel like I have at one point in my business been in all of those parts of it. And I think the scariest one is not knowing that you're in it until you're out of it, which can be like, okay, wait, this is so like, so inception. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) It's so interesting because I feel like I've also been through so many different stages of burnout. And I feel like for me, the worst is when you're in it, but you just don't know how to get out of it. Oh, yeah. It's like at the bottom of a pit. Yes. Yeah. There's no ladder. No, you're just like, (laughs) oh, everything sucks. Like clearly something's not working. Because I feel like that's a telltale sign for burnout. It's just like, or not necessarily telltale sign, but burnout is signaling to your body that something's not working. Yeah. And so... Yeah, for me, it's it's just like being stuck in it. And to get a little personal, I feel like I'm just crawling out of burnout. And for me, like I feel like I I have chronic burnout. <laughs> this is like for me Relatable. for my whole life. Like, and it's something that I learned from I think my mom. Like, I love my mom, but I think that there are tendencies that I've learned from her where we do a lot. Like, we try to volunteer so much and like connect with people and work really hard and make successful businesses and like clean the house and do everything. And we feel like we have to do everything. And then we hit this point where it's like, 
downhill fast. And that's something that I was always prone to growing up. I'm very ambitious. I'm very, I have had a lot of success in my life and it's because of like my hardworking ethic, but then I hit the the end and it's like down. So I feel like for me, the last little bit in business, I've had a different burnout that I haven't had before. So previously my burnout has looked like working way too hard and then crashing. This burnout is a burnout of not doing anything, which is interesting because I didn't even know that that was the thing until like the last two months. I have had the slowest season in my business that I've ever had. I know I'm only two years into my business, but it's been really tough to kind of be motivated. I have still two clients that I'm working with that I love and their projects are incredible, but not seeing inquiries come in is just exhausting. And I feel like it's the burnout of trying to do things, but nothing's coming through. And then what am I even doing this for? Like, it's just this constant, like I'm doing stuff, but it doesn't even matter. That kind of like low, slow burn. Yeah. That makes sense. A hundred percent. I think this is just like so relatable and it goes back to the intention that Giselle and I had with starting this podcast is to talk about the stuff that you do not see on Instagram. You know, whether you use Instagram for your business or not, social media is a way that we use, you know, that we market ourselves. And as much as you can spend time on there, as much as you want to be authentic and transparent, like I don't often post about slow seasons in my business because I want to create scarcity with my booking slots. Like I want to put out an image of busyness and being in demand. But like I relate so much to this because I actually went through a similar period of time. It was like three months this summer where I got like maybe like one inquiry or like two inquiries. And like they like didn't book. And so it's like, okay, I'm doing something wrong. And I feel like that first step of like turning inward of like, oh crap, like what am I doing wrong? It takes so much emotional toll on you. So I just, I really relate to that. Yes. The burnout comes from that emotional toll, the emotional like distress and just feeling like exhausted all the time because you can't do, it seems like you can't do anything right. And just even hearing you, I know we had talked about this on the phone, but hearing you say like that you went through a dry spell here and like I had unintentionally, I wasn't seeking out attention from people, but Jen had sent me a really kind little present and I posted it on social media and just said like, hey, I'm having a really tough little bit. And Jen totally surprised me and it was so sweet. And I had a lot of you guys send me like such kind messages. And some of you also saying like, man, that's me too. Like that's, it's hard. Like I'm also going through a tough season of business. And it's interesting because like you're saying, we don't share that on Instagram. We don't share that out there because then clients are like, oh, she's having a slow season. She must not be doing good. What's wrong with her process? What's wrong with her design? When in reality, a lot of it is completely out of our control. Mm-hmm. And it's like the seasons, 
things just change. And now that we're coming out of COVID, it's just like, things are so different. Yeah. But overall, I think that what I'm learning is that this type of burnout is really just my body saying like, okay, just chill, like take a deep breath. Things are going to be okay. Don't work yourself up so hard. Yes. It's tough. It's really tough. Yeah. It's so hard. And I, I feel like a lot of people listening to this will relate. I relate. I don't think there's any designer out there that's like, oh, that's not relatable. <laughs> like, oh, I've just had like super consistent inquiries and bookings since like day one. Like I, if you are that person, you, my friend, are a unicorn and teach us your ways because right. I feel like it is such a roller coaster all the time. And sometimes I'm able to deal with it better than others, like depending on what time of the month it is or like what happened in my personal life or like how is my body feeling? Am I sick? Like, am I just in a spell where I just feel like I don't want to work out or like, you know, or if I'm eating bad, I mean, not to say that like, oh, you have to work out. You have to eat healthy all the time. Like I definitely am not that person. I probably... Okay, this is like so random, but like I really love Twizzlers and I will go to the store just to get a pack of Twizzlers and I will eat that pack of Twizzlers, like the share size, guys. I will eat oh it my gosh. in like maybe like a couple <laughs> days over the, the course of a couple days, which I'm like, okay, this is probably not very good for my body. But anyways, that is totally an aside. Um, I wanted... It's so funny that we are talking about this right now because I just wrote my Friday email this morning. If you guys are listening and you don't know what that is, you should get on my email list. I Every Friday morning, I send out like a pretty personal email to just out to whoever's on my list about business, what I'm struggling with, motherhood, like whatever. And this week's topic was inspired by a reel that I saw from a writer. Um, She's at Maria E.V. Bowler on Instagram. And she was talking about how resting can sometimes feel like withdrawal. And I was Mm -hmm. like, wow, like I have never felt something or more relatable than that. She's like, people paint this picture of rest being all like hammocks and bubble baths. When in reality, it looks like twitchy hands, reaching for your phone and putting it back down again, obsessive email checking, like, and your brain not feeling safe because it's not working as hard as it's used to. And I was like, okay, I feel so called out. I have goosebumps, like even just like thinking about that, because like, even when I log off and I'm doing mom duty and like writers up from his nap, the afternoons are like my times. Like, I mean, obviously I watch him a lot because I'm his mom, but like, that's like my time to like kind of be just him and me while like other people are doing stuff. That's the way that we've kind of planned things out, um, me and my husband it just feels wrong to work, 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 work so hard and so fast to fit everything in. And then all of a sudden it stops. Like I have noticed that like, I mean, I've been on the four day work week for almost two years now. I've noticed that I don't even feel fully like it's the weekend until like maybe a day and a half into the weekend. And so yeah, I have a three day weekend every week, Friday, like Saturday, Saturday afternoon is where I really feel even okay with just sitting and like just watching YouTube or like laying on the ground and just like watching writer play or like not thinking, oh, I need to check this or I wonder if that person emailed me or 
you know, and it's like, wait, like how much rest am I missing out on? Because my body just doesn't know how to function when I'm giving myself that space. Isn't that like, I just feel like I have so many goosebumps right now hearing about rest being compared to withdrawal because like, I feel like that's so real for so many people and it's like not talked about. Yes. I think this is so like, this kind of goes into the second kind of space of burnout when you like are working so hard and you're just like going, 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 right? Yeah. And I think that the reason why it's a withdrawal is because working can be a high. Like we as designers, and I'm not saying every single job is like this, but I would like to think that most people go into this job because they love what they do. I love designing. I love connecting with people and helping them solve problems in their business. And so when I work and I get a new client, I'm like all amped up on it. I want to do everything. And so then you're working super hard and you're enjoying it. So then it doesn't feel like work necessarily sometimes. And then when you have a rest, it's like, wait, who am I outside of work? Like work is my identity. And I don't, although I don't want it to be, it does assume that place in your life. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've always... I've always self-identified as a workaholic. I know that like workaholism is actually like a diagnosable disorder like that people struggle with and go to therapy for. I've I'm not at that point, but like I see those tendencies in myself and I'm always trying to check in. And like it doesn't have anything to do with the number of clients I have either. It's like mm-hmm. I could have no clients at all and which is a reality is sometimes it happens. And then I'm like, Oh, thank God. Now I have all this time to do all the other stuff that I've been putting off. And I like work myself even harder, you know, like during some of those periods of time. And so like, I don't know. I just feel like all of this is just, I keep on saying the word relatable, but like, I just think it's just a refreshing conversation to talk about like both sides where it's like, oh, you could work really, really hard and then feel burnout, which is what people typically think about. But then like you're bringing up, you know, the other type, which is less physical work. I mean, we're working on our computers, but that's what I mean. And more like brain work, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, actually, as you were talking, I had this little like epiphany, for lack of a better word, where you were like, when you don't have any clients, you're like working so hard on all these other things. I feel like that's kind of where I've been in the last couple of months where I'm like, I don't have new inquiries coming in. So I feel like I need to fill my time by creating this other extension in my business and like doing all the marketing things that I can on my end and setting up all the organizational stuff for my business. And I know that like that stuff needs to get done at some point. So why not now? And then, and then I feel like I'm quote unquote not working very hard because I don't have clients, but I am working just as hard, if not harder. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like, I mean, it is that thing of like, feeling like a failure if you're not working on active client projects. And this is another topic that I wrote about in one of my Friday emails is like, do you value different types of productivity differently? Because I feel like I do all the time. Like I could get to the end of the day and work, work, work on admin stuff, which is a very real reality. And it takes up a very large majority, I feel like, of the time that I do in my business. I wish I was doing design for like... 90% and admin for 10, usually it looks a little bit like the opposite. I sometimes feel like I'm not worthy. I'm not valuable. I'm not successful, like, or I'm failing if I end the day and I didn't move a project forward or I didn't send a deliverable to a client or like I didn't email any clients or, 
if I get to the end of a month that I had no inquiries that month or like it, I mean, obviously you can look at like your finances too and be like, oh, well, I didn't make as much this month as I did last month. And like, I definitely have spiral moments there where like, oh my goodness, like what am I doing wrong? And I feel like it all goes back to this, like this jumping to the conclusion that we have ultimate control over everything that happens in our business, where in reality, there are only certain things that we can control and a lot of, you know, clients coming in or the mm-hmm. high or low ticket nature of your projects or whatever, like they all have so much to do with other people or the market or the global climate. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh. There's so many things. And like, I wish that we could just organize it all and know when things are going to happen, I but know, that's just not how life is. And it's so weird because like, a slow season for me might be a completely like crazy season for you and vice versa. And so then we go into, okay, something is happening in my business. Okay. Step two, we jump to the, I'm saying we, because I do this, I jump to this conclusion, like, Oh, it's my fault. And then I look at whoever I look at on social media. When I feel like I want to go and compare myself, we all have designers that like, I was telling Esther the other day, like that, like trigger us, not like, in the traditional sense, but like you have people that just get under your skin because you feel you have insecurities that they mm-hmm. are really good at the, the pieces of their business that you feel like more insecure about. Go and look at those people and be like, wow, they're so busy. And then it just like cements this like non-reality of I'm doing something wrong because they're doing all of this other stuff that I'm not good at and they're successful. Yeah. Whereas Which you is interesting because that's real, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because you were just saying too, like on social media, you put out this persona in a way that's like, oh, you're booked out. And like to create that scarcity mindset for future clients. And that's yeah. probably what everybody is doing Yeah. I mean, and like, just to caveat that with saying like, I am never untruthful on social media. Like, I don't think any, I mean, hopefully no designers out there are actually saying that they're booked out until a certain date when they're actually not. That's kind of not, that's not my intention. But like, I will say we take on limited spots, which is true. Like, you know, we, um, like at the deadline for getting a website done in 2022 is going to be, you know, October 31st to inquire for those things. And so it's like statements like that, that say, Hey, you know, we really only work with two clients at a time or one client at a time with intensives. Like that does create scarcity, even if I am not booked out throughout the end of the year, you know? So like I have a client that decided that they wanted to book in January, but like, I don't consider that being booked out until January. So I think that there's a line that you can walk on social media and like, we would never tell you guys to be untruthful. That's not like what we're, that's not like our vibe. You know what I mean? But like, there is a certain image that you put out there. Like I don't really put publicly out on social media. Like I'm feeling really down on myself and I feel like I'm not a good designer today. Like, I don't think I would put that on my business page publicly. Like I put that on close friends, you know, which if you're a designer and you're not on my close friends on my Instagram, shoot me a DM. I'll get you on the list. I share like a ton of like behind the scenes stuff there. Like, I don't know. Like I, it's, it's selective. It's a highlight reel. It's all the things we all know about social media, but then like in the moment we forget, or like we start to believe truths about ourselves that are just not grounded in reality because the reality is that you don't know what that other designer is going through. You don't know how much money they're making. 
it doesn't really matter to you like what their success is because their version of success looks different than yours, you know? So uh, it's so, it's so easy to say that. And then it's so hard to like believe it in your core, you know? Yeah. It's so hard. We have a couple of inbox questions that we wanted to do in the middle of the episode just because they are so related to burnout. The first one is from AJ Sampson. They asked, how do you maintain your creativity without feeling burnout? So one of the first things, AJ, I would recommend is going back and listening to season five, episode two, Finding Creative Inspiration. We talk a lot about how we personally find and cultivate creativity in our businesses. But I think for me, in order to stay creative without feeling burned out, I think variation is the thing that like my mind is going to first, is not going to the same places, mixing things up, changing up my routine, and then like, I mean, avoiding burnout in and of itself beyond creativity, I think comes down to listening to your body and recognizing when it's coming on, when it's here. And when you're like Esther, you're saying you you think you're starting to come out of it. I think it's not cut and dry, those feelings. And like I said, at the beginning of the episode, sometimes you don't know that you're in it until you're out of it. And you look back and you're like, dang, like that was burnout. That's happened to me so many times. So I think variation and where you get your creative inspiration combined with knowing your body and knowing how you feel in certain seasons and trying to be just intentional with like understanding how you feel. That's what I would say. I'm curious, Esther, what what your answer is. Yeah. I love that you mentioned just kind of looking in different spaces for creative inspiration, because I think that is probably the number one thing for me when I'm burnt out. It's probably because I've been looking at the same things over and over and I'm freaking sick of it. And I feel like I'm calling you out. (laughs) Pinterest. Don't even get me started. Pinterest. Pinterest. Um, There are a lot of other tools that we shared in that episode in season five, episode two, for different ways to look or different platforms to look at other than Pinterest. But I think for me, the thing with burnout is that sometimes it's hard to actually rest, but I this is literally the answer is to take a break from your screen. Yeah. Something that I've been doing lately is it's my husband's birthday coming up and I am working on a woodworking project for him so that I can give it as a gift. And I'm not going to say it out loud because I don't know where he is in this house right now so he can hear me. But if you follow me on Instagram, you can see. But... I think that when I'm burnt out with work things, I tend to find other things that I can use my hands to do that are still creative, but they're not design related. So whether it's woodworking or cross-stitching or painting or baking, like anything else that is still creative, that has helped me to find creativity and find new inspiration in ways that I wouldn't if I was just scrolling through the internet because the screen sucks the life out of us. We love technology, but we hate it. And so I would say that, and that's not, AJ, to just add another thing on your to-do list when you're already burnt out. But even if it's five minutes to just take a second, to take a beat and do something that is a little more fun, because sometimes when you're burnt out, all work 
just feels like the worst thing in the world. Like you're working out or something. Or even thinking about work. Like I feel like a lot of the burnout that I experience is not, I mean, yes, the screen for sure saps the energy out of me. But a lot of that, like, I don't know, that deep work, that extra work time where you're thinking about things, driving around in the car, and I'm not like giving my brain the break to actually sit and listen to like, a non-work-related podcast. I mean, I'm not saying to like stop listening to this podcast right now because we love you guys. Like, please keep listening. But like, just to like, you know, like watch a movie or like do something that's just like unrelated at all to productivity or, you know, moving the needle forward in some way. Like, I know our tagline is the only designer you need to be better than is the one you were yesterday. But like, I'm just going to challenge that a little bit and say like, you don't need to be a better designer than you were yesterday. If you need to stay the same as you were yesterday, or if you need to just like take a shower and that's like what you did today, or you ate a meal, like that's okay. You know, um, I think I've been thinking about that a little bit and I never want anyone to think that like you have to constantly be leveling up because that's not true. That you have to constantly be leveling up because I think that does contribute to burnout often is where you think every single month needs to get better every year. I used to think that I had to double my revenue every year to be successful. Where the heck did that come from? Because that definitely didn't happen. I am going to be the first to say, I am going to make less money this year than I did last year. Yeah. And I am so excited about that, guys. I know that sounds okay. Like, wait, what the heck? I have worked with way fewer clients this year. I've charged higher prices. I have fewer expenses. I am actually paying myself a salary, whereas last year I was not paying myself a salary. So I'm actually, you know, like... Well, I was, you know, I took, I took distributions and we paid off some loans and stuff, but like, I don't know. I just feel more aligned with my business and myself. I have not experienced the same type of burnout this year as I had last year where I was extremely burned out working on seven projects at a time. I could not be happier with what has happened this year in my business. And guess what? I'm going to make less money this year than I did last year. And I'm okay with that. I'm happy with that, you know? Yeah. I think that's permission given you guys. Yeah. Our second inbox question is from Selena Nohea Konmaki. She asks, how do you balance burnout and also keep the money coming in? So this is a little bit different than just maintaining your creativity. What do you think, Jen? This one's a toughie. Yes. This is a really tough one because at the end of the day, you need to pay your bills. You need to put food on the table for your family. Like, I wish that the advice could just be, oh, take a break, just like take a month or two off. But, like, for so many people, that's not a reality that's even accessible. And so Mm -hmm. I think it kind of looks like how do you get through this season still generating the income that you need to prepare for a season where you are not burned out and you can maybe make a little bit more in some of those other seasons to balance out some of the lower income if you are experiencing that due to the burnout that's happening. I mean, I'm sure Esther, you can speak to this from like a mental health perspective or, you know, maybe something has happened in someone's life where they had an accident or they are struggling with something in their personal life and that's affecting their business. Like I think it really just looks like stepping one foot in front of the other getting up out of bed every day, doing the best that you can to be kind to yourself, to take those breaks when you need them, 
but also to remember that not every single month or season of your business needs to look better or the same as other ones. Like if you are, let's say you're deep in burnout where you're feeling it physically in your body, you're tired all the time. I mean, burnout looks so different for every single person. This is just an example. Like you are feeling an extreme lack of motivation. Um, Your brain, like my brain feels foggy and fuzzy. Like it's stuffed full of cotton balls when I'm experiencing burnout. Like I, I can't process things very Mm -hmm. well. Like I, it's hard for me to make decisions when I'm in the midst of burnout. And so maybe that looks like not taking on very complex projects and focusing on maybe one intensive at a time during the season where you can kind of work through some of that so just some of some of that burnout, start taking a little bit more rest, start allowing a little bit more spaciousness in your days. I think one other thing I will say here, and I don't want to oversimplify this because there's a lot that goes into this, raising your prices is also a really, really great way to get through burnout while also still being able to pay yourself. Um, yeah. I know a lot of designers feel just extremely burned out on multiple projects that are very low ticket where they're not to say that low ticket means low value. I sell a lot of low ticket stuff and I feel like very profitable, but like I'm talking full brand package, custom website for a price that does not feel like you're being adequately compensated that contributes to burnout. And it's really hard to climb out of that when you're in that, that, so I think looking into value-based pricing, you know, one of our partners, Design Biz Mastery by Morgan Rapp, like I feel like so many designers have taken that course and like been able to climb out of that burnout cycle because they learned how to raise their prices, because they learn sales tactics and intensives and stuff like that. So I think definitely looking into some ways to reduce scope or increase price will definitely help you continue to bring money in while feeling burnout. Yes, that was going to be my biggest thing, my biggest piece of advice. Because when you're working with so many different clients, but you're working for a low cost, that's what's going to contribute to burnout. And like Jen said, if you have to put food on the table, you have to put food on the table, right? Like that is really important. So I know sometimes we, I'm saying this we because I've done this before too. Just taking on projects that are like a hundred there, a hundred there, whatever, like just to feel like you have a little bit more cushion. But whenever I've done that, I felt extremely exhausted, even more so than if I had just waited for the bigger one. And I know that's not necessarily possible for everybody too. Sometimes there's a little bit of a hump to get over when you are raising your prices. It's really important to take things a step at a time, but test it out. If you're charging a thousand now, try charging twelve hundred and then keep going. It's easy for us to just be like, well, just jump and like charge right, just raise triple that. Yeah. But like if that's what you need to do is like slightly increasing it a little bit at a time, that will help the money come in and also give you more confidence that what you're doing is worth it. My other piece of advice is to just cry. Like I feel like sometimes you just kind of need to cry it out and that helps release all of the hormones that are inside your body and externalize them. They're no longer having hold on you. 
And I did this literally last night with Jen on the phone. I just cried like about everything just, and today I feel much better. And I'm not saying that that's just your solution, but like, I think Call Jen that, on the phone. And yeah, call Jen on the phone. <laughs> no, just like, just release the fear that burnout of, is stemming from. I think that burnout stems from this fear of not being good enough, not having enough, not doing enough. And once you release that, then the money flows to you. But definitely, I think the the more practical is to raise your prices or to lessen the amount that you're doing. Have chats. If you're on retainer with clients, have chats with your clients about the fact that you're going to need to raise the price for the amount of hours that you're working with them or that you're going to have to work a few less hours with them so that you can then find another client to work with in the meantime. Because sometimes like those retainer clients are, they take a lot out of us. Soul sucking sometimes. I've had a lot of luck in the fact that I had a really long-term retainer client that was actually amazing and a very positive experience. But I know for so many designers it's that like constant feeling of needing to be available for the retainer client. If yeah, it's like you're hired full time, but you're not, you're not getting yeah, benefits. It's like they're getting the best of both worlds. Like they're, they're not having to pay you benefits and they're getting basically a full-time employee, which is actually illegal. You cannot treat a subcontractor like a full-time employee. I mean, I'm not sure how it works in other countries, but in the United States, you cannot tell a contractor when they can be available, when they have to be available for certain things. Like you cannot make them attend meetings. Like there's all these rules that I actually was not aware of in the very beginning when I did take on a lot of retainer work. Um, And one other thing about the retainer work is that you can also think about shifting your retainer structure to an intensive style where you're still putting out the same quality and the same amount of work, but it's taking you less time with feedback and emails and you know all that. It doesn't have to be a one-day thing. You can structure an intensive however you guys want to. But I know that designers have had success in restructuring retainers to where they are really only working with their retainer client on certain days of the week or on mm-hmm. a, a three-day sprint at the beginning of the month. And it just takes a little bit of policy enforcing and maybe a new contract to switch things over. But that's another way that you can do things. So I know that throughout this conversation, we have been talking about different strategies and ways to battle or combat burnout or to climb your way out of the hole but we just kind of wanted to share some actionable paths that you guys could take if you feel like you might be experiencing burnout. And a reminder here that everyone's burnout looks completely different. And the way that you personally decide to deal with your burnout is going to look different depending on your lifestyle, your personality, where you live, your personal preferences, etc. Yes. So hopefully at least one of these things will help you. Yes. So one of the first things that you can do is kind of like what I was talking about earlier, being intentional about recognizing how your body's feeling. And so you can track your stress levels. I've seen people do this with bullet journals where they have like a mood tracker. There's apps where you can 
um, record this information where I will ask you at the same time every day, hey, how are you feeling today? Um, yes. I've seen you can do it on just like a written calendar where you have a color code for like, like red is for I'm feeling extremely burned out or unhappy. Orange is for, okay, I feel kind of, you know, normal. And then, you know, green is for like, I'm feeling really happy and energized or something. So you can mood track in that way. Um, especially if you feel very out of touch with your body and you're like, okay, well, Jen, I don't know how to listen to my body. Like, I don't know what that looks like. That's something that we actually learned a lot about in yoga teacher training is where like, if you're in yoga teacher training, usually it's because you really love yoga. And if you do a lot of yoga, then like you learn to understand your body's cues and signals. But the students that come to our classes, most of the time are very out of touch with the systems in their bodies and the signals that their bodies tell them. Aside from pain in a specific place, chronic pain, low energy levels, you know, things like IBS or gut stuff, you know, like yeah. it's, it's very confusing for a lot of people to be told, listen to your body. So you can start by tracking your mood. You can start by tracking your physical feeling like, oh, I feel really good today or I feel extremely low energy or whatever that looks yeah. like. So I just wanted to like think, say that because it's easy to say like, oh, just listen. But then a lot of the time it's like, okay, well, I don't know anything about my body. <laughs> yeah. You know? I think too, like within when you're tracking things and writing things down of like how you're feeling, make a note of what is causing that or what you think is. Because sometimes we don't actually know what's causing it. But if there are too many people around or if you are like in a certain room, like things like that, you never know what can be affecting your stress level. So definitely keeping that in check. Something that I also have learned to do is to create a habit of journaling. And so for me, that looks similar to what you're saying about just tracking your stress levels, but maybe writing a little bit more. Sometimes I feel like just like dumping everything on the paper just helps me just get it out and then I don't have to think about it ever again. But I also have created a habit of writing in my gratitude journal. And that's writing three things that I'm grateful for in that very moment. They, I've made sure that when I'm writing it, it's about today, not about anything that happened in the past or that will happen in the future. It's right now. So that in combination with my like brain dump journaling has been so helpful to just like release. One of the other things that you can do that I actually love doing, but I have to be reminded to do is to make a list of your accomplishments. And I That's actually, so good. <laughs> it's so I haven't good. done that in a long time. My marketing consultant made me do this, you know, cause I'm kind of planning out some, you know, offers for designers in the future. And I was like, Oh, like, who am I to be doing this? Like who would care? Like, you know, just all of those like imposter syndrome thoughts that I feel like we all have. And she was like, Jen, like I know so much about all the things you've accomplished, but I bet you know more. So like just in secret, like it doesn't have to be a public thing. You don't have to go blasting, you know, about all this stuff, but write down a lit, like a bulleted list of just the things that you're proud of in your life. And I wrote the longest list, guys. <laughs> like I was like, where the heck did all of this stuff come from? And it wasn't all like money related. Like a lot of it was like about my family and, you know, about the future home that we're going to be building. And that's amazing. Know, just like, it just, it just reminded me 
of like who I am. Like in The Lion King, where like Mufasa comes out of the cloud and Simba's like looking in the reflection of the mirror and Mufasa's like, remember who you are. Like, I've been watching a lot of Disney, so maybe yeah, that doesn't land with some people, but like, I just feel like it's, it's kind of like a future version of yourself telling yourself, like, wait, no, but you actually are like the coolest person ever. You know, it's like, it's hard mm-hmm. to think that because I, I tend to focus on the things that I'm insecure about because I am privy to all of the thoughts that run through my brain. Whereas someone else might look at me and think like, wow, like she works full time in her business or like, wow, like she has been able to navigate military life. And that's really hard. Like, you know, like anything that someone could look at someone else and see like, wow, like, look at what you're able to do. And my husband is actually great at this. He's like, wait, why are you feeling insecure about that? Like, let me remind you about all the amazing things. Like, you're so strong. You're such a great mom. Like, you're an amazing Yeah, sometimes we need that external voice too. Okay, keep going, keep going. You know, (laughs) Sometimes I literally (laughs) ask my partner to tell me why he's proud of me because I feel like you sometimes need that external I literally will motivation. go compliment fishing with Dylan and I'll be like oh just tell me what you love about me and he'll be like really like what you know what I love I'm like I know but I just like want you to want you to say it I feel like maybe like words of affirmation is like kind of like a sleeper like love language yeah. for me because and so what better way than to like speak that over yourself you know or just make a list you know so there's also the hype folder that we talk yes. about often. Go and there's other episodes where we talk about it, but take screenshots throughout whenever you get positive client feedback, even in the middle of the process. It doesn't have to be a testimonial, um, a comment on social media, whatever that is, then go back and look at that folder. I, that's one of my favorite tricks to kind of help pull myself up. Yes. Another thing that has helped me a lot is to take breaks from things and people that bring you down. So there's nothing wrong with recognizing that certain people bring your energy levels way down. So taking a break for them, maybe making sure that you're not spending as much time with them or not talking to them as much. Maybe sometimes it's texting is a lot for you with certain people. Maybe certain activities just are feeling really, really not good right now. Including if feeling like working out is really just draining you. I know like working out is really important to keeping mental health stable, but sometimes like the one that you're doing now needs to be changed. So taking a break from that is okay. And then on the flip side, instead spend time with close friends and family that make you feel good and that really like bring your spirits up, who can sit with you in the discomfort, who are really good support systems for you and lean on them because they want to be with you. They want to be there for you. And the ones that don't, don't. So bye. She said it. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I feel like sometimes you don't even recognize when certain people are energy draining until you maybe start tracking it or you start writing things down, you start journaling where it's like, wow, why did today feel so hard? And then it might be because a certain person in your life or a certain location or a certain activity is actually stealing the hard-earned energy that you've tried to cultivate through yeah. going to bed early or something, you know? And it's, it's, it is really hard when you have people in your life that are family members that are those people for you. And I think oftentimes 
the people that can be the most draining are sometimes related to you. I am very thankful that I don't have that situation because I love every single member of my family. But like, I know some people do struggle with like, maybe that's a spouse for you. Maybe that's a child. Maybe that looks like someone that, you know, a parent or someone that you see super often. And so I think we talk a lot about boundaries with our clients, setting really strong boundaries with, you know, people that need to stay in your life, but that you don't necessarily need to be inviting into every single portion of your day. Yes. It's like, it's a stress reliever for sure to just say like, okay, you served me for a purpose at a point in my life where I needed you, but it's okay if you don't continue on. Like you don't have to fully cut people out of your life, but like realizing who you spend your energy talking to because life is short and why talk to people that aren't going to support you? Love it. Couldn't have said it better. The next thing I'm super excited to talk about, um, meditate or pray. And this, it really depends on like your spirituality. And, you know, if you have a portion of your life that is faith-based, I have been personally trying to bring my business more into my prayer life recently because it's easy to just be like, oh, like faith is in this portion of my life. Yeah, like my business separate. is over here and it's separate. But like, of course... Like at least in in my perspective and in Christianity, uh, it it shouldn't be separated, um, and that, that those things should be together, and that you should be able to pray about anything. And so I have been praying for wisdom. I've been praying for perseverance through the ups and downs, which I feel like is just a good prayer. And then the prayer that I have always been kind of going back to is like not my will, but your will. So you know all the things that I want for my business, like. How can I set those aside and instead listen to God's will for what he wants for my business and the clients that he wants me to have, the clients that he doesn't want me to have, you know, (laughs) that's, I feel like so hard. But, you know, if, if prayer life or faith is not a part of your life, like meditating, I feel like is such a great way to give your brain just a break. Um, And it doesn't have to be like this higher level thing where you're like reaching nirvana. It can look like closing your eyes for like five seconds and just focusing on your breath for those five seconds and then moving on. Like I feel like I want to tell people that meditation doesn't have to look like sitting down in a quiet place and closing your eyes for 10 minutes. Like I have been trying to implement that in my daily life when I am walking around the grocery store, when I'm driving, when I'm with my kid, where it's like, how can I notice the thoughts in my head? And then how can I release them in a kind way to myself rather than like, oh, dang, I had a thought. It's more like, huh, that's a thought. I'm going to release that because I feel like, I mean, I'm going down like a yoga like path right now, but like one of the most life-changing moments for me in my yoga journey was when I realized that I am not my thoughts and that my thoughts are completely separate from me and that some thoughts can be true. A lot of thoughts are untrue. That's one of the things I open, you know, I used to open my yoga classes with is to like recognize that you have thoughts, recognize your ability to release those thoughts and that those thoughts don't make you who you are. That's what your soul is. So that's, uh, you know, it's a whole other conversation that we could get into, but um, I love both of those things. I also think that seeking out a guided meditation is so good. Because sometimes it's hard for us to know exactly what to say or what to think. And just looking to some professionals who do this for their living 
Um, I love Insight Timer. It's a free app that has so many different meditations that you can listen to. Some are, you can filter by music based. If you don't want music, you can do that too. Um, And that has been really good. Another thing that I've been doing lately is I've been into tapping. I don't know if you know this, Jen. Ooh, yes. Okay, yeah. Oh, 100%. Like all the acupuncture um, spots for your body and also like um, repeating after the tapping instructors of things like confidence building. And that has been so good for me. I've been doing that every morning. So definitely look into that if that's something you're into. I love just like repeating back to myself like and reminding myself what I am good at. I also think that a good thing to keep in mind is to try and avoid multitasking. This is so hard for me because I feel like I'm always, I'm listening to a podcast while I'm doing something else. And I also have my journal next to me just in case I have a thought and I have a whole list of things that I want to do. And while I'm cooking, I'm listening to something or watching something. So I am definitely not like the spokesperson for not multitasking, but when you are extremely in burnout, that is really important to do to just like focus on what you're doing. For me, when I'm working on a website, I have to literally just work on the website and have silence because otherwise I'm gonna... It's like my brain will explode. (laughs) Yes. Otherwise I just end up going crazy and things take longer and then I feel like drained because I didn't get as much done as I wanted to. So definitely avoid multitasking as much as humanly possible. Taking a break from technology is probably withdrawals, artist things. Yeah, oh, a hundred percent. I am that. I am addicted to Instagram and my email for sure. And I've talked about this before on the podcast. Like talked about it in my Friday emails. Like I'm very open about the fact that like it feels like I need drugs. <laughs> yeah, but it's actually one thing that I've been doing lately with technology is I've been keeping my phone and my computer and everything in a separate room when it's time for bed. Oh, that's... I'm, I wish I could do that. I, my I think it's so helpful. My little setup is like my room right now. <laughs> yeah, the phone. Oh, yeah. yeah, that is so, so, so good. Like putting it in a drawer or I've been... um physically plugging my phone into the wall so that I have to take a physical action to pick it up and bring it into another room with me where I'm like, is it that important that I need to unplug my phone from the wall right now? You know, sometimes it is, but sometimes it's not. So that's a little trick that I've been doing. But yeah, if anyone has figured out the answer to breaking a social media addiction, please let me know because I I've tried deleting it all the time. Oh, I have saved Reels drafts, though. I can't delete my app anymore. Oh, yeah, that happens to me. <laughs> so we're just like, oh, yeah, do this thing. And then I can't even figure out how to do it myself. But yeah. if you want to try, let me know how it goes. Lastly, and probably most importantly, in my opinion, is seek professional help from a coach or a therapist, somebody who is licensed in dealing with mental health, if that's something that you're really struggling with. I feel like burnout is a mental health issue. Um, So definitely talk to somebody. I love my therapist. She has helped me through so much. Of course, I lean on my friends and family, but Therapy is just a different ballgame. Like they really help you understand what these underlying issues are and how to be proactive in addressing them for the future. So 
I am a huge advocate for therapy and there's no shame in it, especially as a business owner, we kind of need all of the help that we can get. So I think that, again, there's no shame at all. A hundred percent. I think Morgan once told me, and she probably said this in, in the group as well, that Therapists are a lot cheaper than mindset coaches. <laughs> and yeah, so that's there's so true. Just, there's so many unique challenges that you go through as a business owner and as a designer, someone who's providing creative services that like, I don't know, I just I just feel like therapy is so, so helpful. I don't actively go to therapy right now, but there have been really challenging times in my business where I recognize that I just really needed additional professional support to work through difficult client situations and stuff like that. Um and so, but having someone long-term as well, just to walk alongside you mm-hmm. in life, who you know is a professional, is it's invaluable. And they get to know you on a deep level. Yes. I also think to your point of like therapy is cheaper than mindset coaches. Therapy is cheaper to do now. And in terms of like just the time investment too, than to go five years down the road and like have a extreme mental breakdown. Like it's more worth it to... It's like investing in yourself. Yeah. So there's a lot of things. Burnout is a beast. And I'd love to know maybe if there's something that you guys are struggling with, let's chat about it. Because like I said at the beginning, I'm just crawling out of it now. So it's still fresh and it's hard because it comes and goes. But I'm so glad we got to have this conversation. I know. I feel like this is such a breath of fresh air. And I just want to say, Esther, thank you so much for just feeling so comfortable and sharing something that can be really personal, like on a podcast on the internet, you know, like yeah, I, you guys can all hear all my problems. <laughs> I know. I mean, like it's, I mean, that's why we have this. And, you know, like I just, I know that our audience is going to be so supportive. And also they have also probably been through all of the things that we're talking about. Um, and so, yeah, like Esther said, if you want to send us like a private email, you can email us at inbox at betterbranddesigner.com. If you have specific thoughts um, or want to share your story about burnout, you can always DM us on Instagram at betterpodcast. Yeah, we would love to hear from you guys, especially on a topic that I feel like is so not talked about on social. Yeah. Another reminder is that we have quarterly Patreon-only Q&A calls with me and Esther. It's just a really nice way for us to sit down and chit-chat with you guys and just share answers to your questions, um, talk about your businesses. Um, So if you become a $10 patron, then you get access to those. You also get ad-free episodes. You get a sticker sheet. You get a really cute enamel pin. All the things. Um, All all of the cute, cute merch. So if you guys are interested in becoming a patron, you can go to patreon.com slash betterpodcast and see all of the different options available to you. Well, thank you guys for listening. And we are just... We just appreciate you guys all so much. Um, yeah, join us in our Facebook you. group, facebook.com slash betterbranddesigner um, to join the conversation, make designer friends, share about your you know experiences and just kind of like do life together. But yeah, we'll see you guys in next week's episode. See ya. Bye guys. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Subscribe wherever you're listening to make sure you don't miss an episode. And we'd be forever grateful if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts. We bet you've got designer friends who'd enjoy it too, so share it with them. 
If you'd like to submit an inbox question for us to answer on air, or you want to get in contact with us directly, email us at inbox at betterbranddesigner.com. Our Facebook community is one of the most positive, supportive, and fun groups we've ever been a part of. We'd love for you to join us. Search for Better the Brand Designer Podcast on Facebook. If you love these conversations between designer friends and would like to support us, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash betterpodcast. And visit us online at betterbranddesigner.com to learn more about our podcast and snag major discounts on our favorite resources. Special thanks to our producer, John, from Wayfair Recording Co. See you guys again next week.